Hi, this is Lauren Engel of Sidewalk Talk. We do a lot of interviews with EDM artists, pop artists, rappers, and people in the industry, letting you know what they do behind the scenes. Also, make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter through the handle Sidewalk Talk Show. Hope you guys enjoy. Angle of Sidewalk Talk today. I'm here with Andrew. Hey. Of Loudwater. You're really good. <laughs> so, you're originally born in Canada? Yeah, from Canada. Born and raised in Toronto. Okay. A little suburb outside of it called Mississauga. Yeah. And then uh, moved here a couple of years ago. My mom actually grew up in, on a farm with eight brothers and sisters. Really? Which is very hectic and totally the opposite of my childhood. Yeah. And then she became a city girl after. <laughs> you still. Did, did, does your family still like own that land? Like you still go back yes, there? Yes, yes. That's so uh, cool. Yeah. Um, so, you know, my favorite part about my childhoods would be leaving the city and going up to the farm. Yeah. And just seeing all my cousins and aunts yeah. and uncles. It was a big family, so that was always really cool to see. Mm -hmm. What kind of form was it? Originally, it was pork. So I'd always get really sad as a kid, eating oh. bacon and realizing where it'd come from. Oh my god. But they switched to crops recently, so no longer have to stare at the animals and feel bad. Yeah. <laughs> what does your dad do? My dad's a chef. Oh. Yeah. What kind of food does your dad make? My dad, it's funny because he has worked in like upscale restaurants his whole life, like nice French stuff, you know, escargot, flamingo, mignon, yeah, that sort of so thing. <laughs> but his favorite thing to make is barbecue. Oh. Yeah. Like nothing makes him happier than coming home and trying yeah. to like smoke a meat for 12 hours. <laughs> so. Dinners at home were always uh, super lit. Yeah. And because of that, I can't cook because I was so spoiled. Yeah. <laughs> Damn, hotel or restaurant quality at home every night is just insane. Yeah, yeah. But it made me super lazy. Yeah. He, he tried, but I was just like, ah, I could, can't be bothered. <laughs> well, what's the restaurant name that he works at if people like are, want to drop by? Uh, it's called Seasons in Oakville. Yeah. He does the lunch. It's amazing. Oh Come my through. God. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> cool. My parents don't have any music background, so it was very weird to everyone kind of following this path just because no one really expected it. Yeah. Um, but my dad definitely has this weird creative side, especially with um, cooking, where mm. like he knows so much about food. He can tell you anything, you know, where the ingredients come oh, from. That's so awesome. Um, and I kind of have the same thing with music, so I think that weird, like, little spark definitely came from him. Yeah, what kind of music were they playing in the house when you were growing up? So my dad is weird because my I feel like everyone has that one parent that like only has three albums that they just listen to <laughs> so over dad. and over yeah. again and you hate it. So my dad did that with Fleetwood Mac and almost <laughs> ruined them for me, which is sad because they're so talented. Yeah. But at, at that point I was like so over it because you just play that over and over again. Um, my mom really liked Coldplay, but oh, I think okay. the thing that really changed things for me was um, my mom got a big disco compilation. It was like four CDs. Yeah. And uh, it had basically like every popular disco song ever made. And I was 11, 12 years old listening to that front to back. And that was kind of the first real time that I got into the dance music. And she was just playing it and it was like the first music I think my parents were playing. That was actually like, yo, this is a vibe. Like normally, <laughs> you know, your parents are like uncool and like, you know, telling you you can't do things. So you naturally don't like their music. Yeah. So I think I was so shocked, like when my mom put something on that I was like, "This is sick." Yeah. Do you remember who was on those albums? Yeah, of course. Like it was a lot of classics, like Donna Summer. Oh yeah. Chic. 
Cool and the Gang. Yeah. It's like all the essential disco artists. I know. I'm so glad you shot them out because I'm like, they're really OGs and people like always just mention like Skrillex or someone, but these yeah. guys are like the real OGs. That, that was the first thing for me because this is before I even knew what dance music was. You know, I like, you know, I remember a couple years later I heard of Tiesto because uh, they had him the DJ Olympics. at the Olympics <laughs> yeah. in 2004. And that was when I was like, oh, there's like actual like dance music that's not disco. Yeah. So that's kind of, you know, where I think I first found out about that. And I was listening to a lot of Tiesto when I was yeah. younger. And then that just kind of started everything mm -hmm. dance music wise. How did you go from disco to YouTube rappers? <laughs> <laughs> so Mississauga, the suburb that I grew up in around Toronto, yeah. um, it's very, very diverse. Like most of Canada is. Yeah. But it's a city that was a bunch of towns in the 70s that they basically said, all right, you're going to be a city now to handle like so much immigration coming oh, in. Oh, wow. So all of my best friends growing up, you know, it was all third wave immigrant families, yeah, you know. So cool. Whether it be Jamaica, Cameroon, um, the Philippines, yeah. Croatia. So I was just surrounded by a lot of diversity. So because of that, you know, people weren't really into rock or anything in my high school. Everyone's mm. listening to hip hop. And, um, I was really inspired by a lot of artists that were coming out of our area at the time, like Drake, oh, yeah. The Weeknd, and I wanted to get in on that and started making beats. That was kind of like <laughs> my thing in high school was like I'd make beats for all these rappers and stuff. I was just that skinny white kid on the, <laughs> you know, on the computer chopping up a beat. Um, were you watching tutorials? Yeah, or, yeah. yeah. That, I learned so much. I know Joe would say the same thing. Yeah. We both learned so much from YouTube tutorials. That was like where everything came from. Yeah. And then I went to college. And once I went to college, I lost track of everyone. You know, I was a couple hours away. So it became more, I have to be in a room just making music by myself. So how can I do that? And at the time, I was already into dance music and I was noticing artists like Skrillex or Avicii mm. literally becoming these massive DJs yeah. out of their bedroom. Like you just make a track with a sample and you could do it all yourself. And I was so used to having to rely on rappers, you know, wanting to go in on this beat or taking this beat and then us working yeah. together. So this was the first time that it was like, oh wow, I can do everything on my own. Mm -hmm. And that was really exciting for me. When you were still like making these songs with the rappers or like even making your own music, did you have your own like moniker that you were putting out, do you think? Yeah, I was putting everything out under DJ Fetty or Fetty. How did you come which up is with that? My last name, oh. Fetish. And I just kind of made it a little bit more smooth. Yeah. That's it. Is there, but, did you, is the stuff still online? I hope not. <laughs> Actually, it might be good if it's online just to show everyone, like, that it's stuff rough. sounded horrible. You know what I mean? <laughs> just to show people that, like, you gotta start somewhere. What were you studying? I studied political science. Oh, things. wow. I'm not doing anything with that now. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I just liked interacting with people, so it kind of seemed like a cool thing. But why, to learn I feel about. like people would do, like, communications for that, but why, I feel like that's so cool to do science like where did you think that like global interest came from you know growing up in a really diverse place being in love uh, with traveling yeah. I just think politics is one thing that's yeah you know it's like how humans work right yeah. so I was just very fascinated by that I can write a good essay but haven't done anything else with it <laughs> since then what kind of career path did you have like that made you want to start, like what kind of career path did you think you could do like say you graduated without music without thinking of doing music really like really plan B stuff you know like I remember thinking oh it'd be cool to do something in marketing or law or government yeah. 
But in the back of my mind, I kind of had this feeling always where it was like, everything would just be like, a, I'll work this job and make some money just to keep my parents happy. And then eventually one day, maybe try and get into music. Mm. That was always the thought that came with anything I wanted to do. So I think that was when I realized this isn't just like a little hobby that's going to go away in a flash, you know? It's kind of yeah. just something that like I really care about and, you know, it's not leaving me. So that's when I had to rethink things. What made you not want to study music? Uh, I was never good enough to study music, to be honest. Really? Because I was learning everything off YouTube tutorials. Oh. So I think I was much more behind in the actual understanding music. Because you didn't do instruments, did you? Or? I did. Oh, I did. played drums and stuff, oh, so okay. I always understood rhythm, but like... My, my, I was passionate about music. I loved playing music for people. I loved showing people new music. But really when I was making beats, my actual understanding of music outside of drums was at like zero. Yeah. So at that time, I didn't have enough confidence to be like, oh yeah, I'm good enough to study music. Do you I, think your parents would have been, like, been chill with you studying music? My parents were like fortunately really supportive of everything yeah. I did. Not in a, oh, here's how we can help because they didn't know music. You know, like I was saying, mm -hmm. my dad's a chef. Yeah. But in a, you're crazy, but like, hope it works out. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm grateful for that because I think back a lot to the fact that if they were like harder on me, it would have just killed me wanting to go into music. Mm. But they were very like hands off yeah. and just kind of let me make my own mistakes. And that helped a lot. Yeah. So were you guys in the same class or? No. Um, we met because there was a club. And you should talk to Joe about this because he's yeah. the one who actually started it. But oh. basically there's this rule in our school where if you get 30 signatures, you can create a club for anything you want. <laughs> like you could go tomorrow and make yeah. a knitting club. Like as long as you can get 30 yeah. people to sign off on it, the school yeah. will give you money to make a club. So he made a club that was for DJs to just like exchange music and production oh, okay. tips and all that. Um, I joined it and went to the first meeting and we just started exchanging music from that. Yeah. Were you making similar music? We definitely had similar inspirations, which yeah. is why we clicked so easily. At the time, Avicii was one of our favorite artists, yeah. so we were both trying to make kind of stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, we were on the same page always creatively. What did the early songs that you made together sound like? Aside from being terrible, um, <laughs> honestly, they all sounded like Avicii or Calvin Harris ripoffs. Because when you don't have a starting point, you just kind of like latch on to what you know, right? And that was music that we knew, so we tried to like make stuff like it. Um, forgetting to realize that the most important thing about all of this is making your own sound and having your own style. But, you know, it's like anything. You experiment, you fail a lot, and you learn. And you were DJing everything, like bar mitzvahs. <laughs> yeah, you know, because it, for us it was just like, let's get our hands on whatever we can and we'll just spread the word about us, you know? Like, I, I would not say no to a gig. I would have, like, three shows in one day. Oh, wow. You know, basically leave, get in your car, drive to the next one. Like, for us, it was just about hustling and building the name up. But that actually came and helped us because uh, then I was learning how to DJ so many different parties. It helped me understand music oh, a lot better. Yeah. Like, how to get people moving anywhere. Do you think those fans are still attached to you now? Those Like, fans? the people that, yeah, the people that you're performing these, like, really early shows in college, like, do they know that, like, where you guys are at now and follow you guys? Yeah, well, I think with a lot of artists, it's just all about connection, right? Yeah. Like, your favorite artist, the reason why you like them is because you feel connected to them. Yeah. So that's just another way that we have this connection where people hear our music on the radio now, for example, and they're like, oh, yeah, that guy, like, played my Sweet Sixteen, or that guy, like, <laughs> oh God, you know so what I mean? Cool. It just makes it yeah. so much more than a song. Yeah. It makes them feel yeah. like they're a part of it, you yeah. know?
That's so cool. Were you already working with uh, vocalists early on? Trying to? Yeah. You know, definitely a big learning process in terms of doing that stuff. But in terms of dance music, we always like gravitated more towards, um, you know, people that had vocals on their songs. Who are like, you, how are Avicii, you finding Calvin. these vocalists? Just hitting up random people like online. classmates? No, not classmates. At the time, definitely lots of classmates or people yeah. in the same circle. Once we were able to do it a little bit more, um, we just started finding people off SoundCloud. Oh, and then do you just like make it in your dorm or did you have access to a studio? I was just making it in my dorm, to be yeah. honest. That's probably also why it didn't sound very good. <laughs> but like I said, you gotta start somewhere. Yeah. Do you think because you used to work with rappers that it became easy to work with other like more pop-leaning vocalists? That you knew the process, how it works? Yeah. Um, it definitely helped me understand the idea of like, when you're like a producer in a room with like vocalists, you kind of have to be their therapist, yeah, for so lack true. of a better word, in terms of, and I don't just mean that in like a, ah, what's going wrong in your life, but I mean like coaching them yeah, and bring the best out in people, you know? So that was definitely something I learned early on, you know, trying to like bring out the best in these rappers that I was working with because I needed them, you know? So I've just always had that like ability to like just sit down and be like, let's talk about life, like let's push you to do your best, you know, that's all really important. And were you already releasing music like when you were working with these vocals like back then or were you like preparing until you had like hit a certain level of quality to start putting out music? I mean, I, I just like learned as I went, yeah. to be honest, uh, releasing stuff. But like most of it, I would just have like a download link on Zippy Share. If you remember that <laughs> yeah. site, uh, Zippy Share Records was the best. Like we just throw <laughs> up a link on there and then go, here you go. Were you also doing like hype M and everything? And so, uh, yeah. Not actively, yeah. like I remember, I, I remember um, emailing some guy from a Hype M blog, just being like, yeah. hey, check out this song. It'd be a dream come true to be featured on your blog. <laughs> and he emailed me back being like, a dream come true? He's like, relax, <laughs> it's just a blog. He, he openly just made fun of me for being like so excited about that. <laughs> so I, after that, I remember being like, ah, just like Let's keep working blogs. on music and get this a bit better. And where do you think your career was at before you moved to LA? in a way different space because yeah. LA, you know, we kind of had this realization that like in order to be the best at what we do, we had to move here. We had to, you know, meet other talented people and get it going. Uh, so we moved here with basically, basically like no money in our pockets. Yeah. It, was, it was like struggle, struggle. Damn. Uh, you know, eating ramen every day or oatmeal yeah. or like, you know, splitting basically after rent and your groceries not having money for anything else. Yeah, you're like a sharing a one bedroom bed. Yeah, 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 we basically couldn't afford anything else. So we had this one bed and we just put pillows between it. <laughs> and like I take one side and like Joe would take the other. And I remember even like being invited out, you know, if someone bought you a drink, you yeah. get an anxiety like, oh man, now I have to buy them around. Oh, I can't even afford yeah. this round. So, you know, there's a lot of really funny moments like that, that yeah. it's nice to, I'm happy I can sit back and laugh about it now <laughs> rather than that was what kind of what got me through it was through all those moments telling myself um, this is gonna be really funny in a few years yeah. like this sucks <laughs> right now that. like now terrible stuff yeah. would happen like I remember one time we got invited out to a restaurant by a friend uh, and like everything he said kind of pointed to it being like he was gonna take us out and it was gonna be paid because he knew the owners and all that and at the end of the night I remember Joe and I got stuck with a massive bill oh that literally pretty much wiped out any money I had for the rest of the month. And I didn't know what to do. Yeah. And I remember being like, at least this is gonna be funny in a few years, I yeah. hope. Yeah. <laughs> so did you drop out or did you finish? 
I finished school. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. But just because things fell into place really nicely where, like, we were really getting better at what we did right as we were graduating. Yeah. So it all made sense. It wasn't like a, I need to wait out my degree thing. It just kind of worked out well. Mm -hmm. And how many months were you living here before you met Brando? Uh, about a year. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. We were, you know, we were just networking, hitting up people, trying to see who would get in sessions. Really, like, anyone we find online, i just find them on Instagram and just be like, hey, like, we should work together. And we actually were trying to do that with someone else and got invited to a showcase they were doing. And uh, Brando was opening for them in mm -hmm. a band. And we just instantly loved his voice and wanted to connect and work on stuff. Did he already have the song before, or did he make it all from scratch together? He had this rough idea of the chorus of Body, and it was like a hip-hop song. It was actually like a way different beat and vibe, um, slower tempo, and we took the vocals because we really liked them and completely made a new song around it and like chopped everything up, you know, in true EDM spirit, um, and that's how it kind of all came about. And how did you promote that song? I mean, there really wasn't any promotional strategy, that's I remember. so crazy. Well, what happened was like, one of our friends who makes movies, he came down uh, and he was like, yo, while I'm here, we should like just make a lyric video for something. And we're like, okay, cool, I got this song. Like, it was really rough, but we're like, we got this song. I feel like it's a cool vibe. Like, why don't we just make a video for it real quick? And he knew this girl that was modeling from his hometown. She was down to do it. And we just drove around LA all day and I think did the entire lyric video for like a hundred bucks. <laughs> just kind of out of nowhere. Yeah. And then Spotify people just like, you, did you know anyone at Spotify back then? Or did no, no, no. It? We just kind of put it on and then it just kept going and going. There was, it took a very long time for there to be a moment like, okay, this is actually catching on. Yeah. But before that, there was never any moment that was like, ah, people aren't feeling this song anymore. It just kept growing and growing and growing. Was it immediate, like after you uploaded it or was it like a few weeks and then they started, like the team started? There was already a good it. feeling right away, like when we first released it, like this is cool, people are vibing with this. And then there was a couple months of it just still growing where it never went down, but there wasn't like, a, okay, like yeah. it's going. Uh, and then just randomly got added to today's top hits on Spotify and like wouldn't stop after that <laughs> that must have been so surreal you're like what oh the? yeah because i mean like at this point you have to keep in mind too we're just like <laughs> random bedroom djs you know and it's like now i all of a sudden have a career and like this is all i've ever wanted yeah. you know it's like you kind of finally got it that changes everything did you already have management and stuff by then yeah oh, and we okay. were really lucky we were working with a team that had booked us when we were just DJing random clubs in Toronto. Oh, wow. And, uh, you know, they had a really active role in terms of just telling us, yo, this is stuff that you should be doing. We weren't, you know, we make so much music, right? So their feedback was really helpful in terms of zeroing in what our sound was going to be and, like, what songs were the right ones to release. Because, you know, naturally when you make music, you just want to release all of it, right? Yeah. But they're like, no, like, let's focus on this lane, like, do this vibe. And we're like, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. And, you know, it's always been very collaborative. And this is something I always ask Joe is, but how would you describe Joe's personality for people who, you know, are watching and never met him? Very energetic. Yeah. Very energetic. I don't think that guy ever sleeps. He's just, <laughs> there would be times. I can tell already, he's like bouncing. Yeah, he, he's always, but, but in a good way, not like in a hectic, overwhelming yeah. way, but just in like a... It's like a ball that just consistently stays bouncing and never stops. Mm -hmm. It's kind of surreal to me. Like, I remember there's been times where we'll come off a crazy tour run, you know, 
everyone's exhausted and you can't imagine anyone doing anything other than sleeping right now. And then you see Joe the next day and he like ended up going to like some movie premiere or something like that. You're like, okay, I, I back it. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. How do you see you've grown as a person compared to when you were younger? Oh, I'm growing every day. Yeah. I mean, the day you stop growing is probably the day you die, right? <laughs> There's just so much that I've learned. I'd say the one thing is, and we kind of touched on it, you know, about like why didn't I study music and stuff mm. like that, is it's just about realizing the confidence to do something special. Like for me, it was like, oh, I'm not good enough to do that. I, I don't have the talent to do that. I'm not good enough at music. And just kind of ignoring all of that and being like, there's really no boundaries. As long as you put in the time, you could be the biggest artist in the world. Like there's no boundaries stopping you from doing that. So it's just really learning to muster the confidence to do that. What would you say have been the biggest challenges so far? I mean, the biggest challenges so far were firstly, I think the first step was really figuring out what we wanted. I think that's the biggest challenge is like, I know a lot of really talented musicians, but none of that really matters if you don't really have a plan and a vision and something you're waking up every day knowing that you need to do, right? Like you can make a hundred songs, but if there's no plan and vision to it and like a thing that's consistent and makes sense, people aren't gonna know what your vibe is, you know? Mm -hmm. And how do you expect people to know what your vibe is if you don't even know like what you wanna do? So kind of having that mission of like, okay, we wanna make like this vibe of house music that, you know, it's not as underground and like kind of more low-key and lo-fi the way that like someone like Disclosure or like Gorgon City would be. Uh, but then we want to kind of fuse that with like hip-hop and R&B that we've grown up in Toronto with. You know, just kind of like knowing that vision was hard. That's the hardest part. Once you get that and that spark, it's kind of hard to stop. Yeah. Last question. What do you want Loud Luxury to be remembered for? To be the soundtrack of good times. Oh, I love that. <laughs> all like, the good oh, yeah. times. That's all I've ever wanted. <laughs> this is so fun. Thank you. Thank you.